Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 36 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again this season is the still podcasting lapsed Jess Rogers. So welcome back to the show, Jess. You still don't have your own podcast again, but that's fine. I'm glad you're still, still on mine. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're able to come back and, 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 and talk with me, even though you haven't started your own yet. But, you know, the, the whole idea is to, to, to reignite that, that fire in you that you're going to want to do your own. But until then, you're more than welcome to keep coming back. Thanks. So, no problem. Well, at this point, we'll, we'll see what happens after this we'll week. We'll see what happens. You know, I'll, get, I'll give you this week, and we'll see what happens uh, after that. How's that? <laughs> So episode 36 begins with the bat phone continuing to ring and ends with Stuart continuing with his demands. So basically we, we left things on Friday with everyone in the tower realizing that they've lost all control over everything. You know, the, the lights went off on the uh, runway and then they started hearing a phone ring and they said, oh, that's the FAA hotline. And then we, we got stopped. So today we're picking up from there. And, you know, the first shot that we see, I, I just love. We see this little box on top of a phone that has three switches on it, a red red light, a place to turn a key. And there there's like the, uh, what were they called? You know, the, the things that you can make uh, labels, the label makers, Mm-hmm. Uh, which they have here, that, you know, that they made labels that one says monitor and one says speaker. Do you, you remember what I'm talking about? The, those label makers that oh, they yeah, used to yeah. have? I you know, don't where know you, that they like, have a different name other than label maker, right? Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I don't think, I, I wonder if people still use them. I don't, I don't even think about that. You know, is, is, a, is a label maker still something or, or do people just do it on, on the computer and therefore, you know, they don't really need to. But I, I, I remember know. having I those. Remember, you had to like yeah. turn turn the, the 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 dial on the top to the letter you wanted, and you needed absolutely. to press it, and you know, and, and that's really how this looks. You know, yeah. That, that, oh, it's absolutely the old-fashioned label makers with the red tape, and you could get black tape, and then the white letters punch out in them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and again, the the, the fun thing is, is that that basically, you know, it does not look very professional. So. <laughs> no. You'd think that in in the airport in you know in in Dallas Airport in the air control tower they would have something a little bit more sophisticated, but they don't. And then at the bottom you have the little seal that that says uh, you know Federal Aviation Administration. So right. you know it's 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 really funny and it, it it reminded me of the you know like the the whole idea of a red phone. You know even though it's not a sure. phone here, you know but the, so you have the you know the hotline between Moscow and Washington. You know, mm-hmm. which, which we always imagined was a red phone like you have in Batman, you know, which right. is like a red phone, you know, which, which you know, is, is under a cake holder or something like that. You know, that, that you know, that when the president needs to, to call the Kremlin, you know, he, he has to take off the, the cake holder, <laughs> the cake plate Just holder. Just in case he doesn't use it for any other reason. Yeah, you got to right. make sure it's safe That's right. and clean. That's right. Um, so I actually looked that up a little bit, like what this whole hotline is. Do you, do you know when they started the hotline between Moscow and, and Washington? I want to say it was after the Bay of Pigs, so in the 60s probably. That's right. It was it was 1963. So it was, yes, not, not long after Bay of Pigs. Um, 
where where they did that. You, you think that they would have maybe done it a little closer to you know the whole uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, but maybe yeah. they, maybe they wanted to spread it out a little bit before they they did it. And basically, you know, it's known as the Red Telephone. Uh, but the thing is, it was never really a telephone line, and they never really they never use a red phone. You know, that's just what they use in in movies oh, and wow. stuff like that. They and they use. They, that's what they call it exactly. They they at the beginning used the teletype equipment, and then they in 1986 uh, they started using fax machines, and and they used fax machines till 2008. And since 2008, they have a hotline that's uh, that has a secure computer link, where messages are exchanged via a secure form of email. Right. Which which obviously makes sense, you know. Can't hack um, in. Yeah, but again, it it still it still bothers me that it's not a, a red phone. You know, I was thinking, you know, because because it brought me back to the whole idea of the bat phone. You know, you I'm, I'm assuming you remember the Batman shows of of the '60s. You know, where that, that that's where you have it. You know, it was a private phone that really was a phone <laughs> that only had high priority calls between uh, you know Commissioner Gordon and Batman when he needed to call him. Yeah, right. And, you know, from they, they even had one that they, they installed in the Batmobile at some point, you know, which, right. which theoretically was one of the very first uh, types of cell phones, I guess you can say. It, it, was, it wasn't real, but, you know, the, <laughs> the idea of, of having a, you know, an, an emergency phone in a car is just great. You know, so I, I, I just love that other idea, you know, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, I, I looked it up, and there's a whole bunch of different types of uses of red phones ever since then. You know, like... Uh, I guess it's the red, the idea that it... I always thought the red phone was because Russia was considered the red army and all that, yeah. like their symbol is red. But you're right, looking at this um, red buzzer, it, it's more of a importance value than yes. it is really a communist value. <laughs> Correct. Right. I mean, the the the, the biggest the, in in 2007, Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg, the you know the the mayor of New York, yeah. said that he that he only receives phones on a secure bat phone installed in his kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah, you know, it's just it's 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 fun to 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 look at this idea and see you know how how they they do these things and stuff like that. You know, even in the, do you ever do you ever watch uh, the TV show Entourage? I never did. No, I didn't have HBO okay, so, at the time. Right. So Jeremy Piven's character, he's a talent mm-hmm. agent, and he ha- he always called his cell phone a bat phone, you know, <laughs> which he's he's obligated to answer if it rings three times. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, so it it makes sense that they would yeah. that they would do something like that. So yeah, they have this 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 uh this blinking light on a little box, which mm-hmm. to me it still doesn't make sense. Also, what the idea of monitor is? Does that mean they have like video conferencing? That's a possibility. You know, I, don't, and, I don't think so at this point, right? They're still rocking faxes and pagers. Exactly. But that's my point. It's like, it's very strange that it says on their monitor, you know, and then speaker. So, you know, you oh, think yeah. that it would, you'd think that it would have, you know, uh, either speaker or you pick up the phone, you know, something yeah. like that. <laughs> but here it's not. It's like, okay, you got a speaker. Yeah. Um, and and then we we get the first line of the minute where we get uh, John saying maybe it's the boys who pulled the plug. <laughs> that I pulled, love that he that pulled all your plugs plugs. That's what he said. Yeah, and now he's got a coffee cup in his hand too, and yes. it's like 
I noticed that that sort of had come out of what felt like nowhere. Yeah. Did he find it? That's right. No, I, I, I actually didn't even notice that. I wasn't even paying attention and didn't see that, <laughs> that somehow someone gave John a cup of coffee. Yeah. That's right. Hey, pretty good. And then Trudeau says, put it on the speaker. You know, right. I don't know who he's saying that to or whatever, but, uh, you know, that, that's what he needs to do. <laughs> he's, he's not used to telling specific instructions. He just barks them and someone does them. Yeah, pretty much. And, I mean, once again, and we're going to see this quite often throughout this whole minute, you know, we see that John is pretty much the smartest person in the room. You know, he's he's the only one who's able to figure out that it's probably the bad guys that are calling on this phone right now. Right. You know, everyone else thinks yes. it's, it's the FAA. You know. And it, it's got to be the biggest, like, he's he's the big picture thinker. He's suspicious. No one, you'd think... And I, part of watching this, it was very much remembering it being in a very pre-9-11 world. And they weren't spending all this time assuming anything was a terrorist. No, of course not. It was That just wasn't how it worked. They were just assuming it was a punk. I love that. Yeah. Punks and gangs who hang out at the airport. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we, we, we mentioned this that in the script. It mentions the fact that it's happened before, that they had criminals, they had punks come in and you know cause problems right so you know they, they sort of left that out in in the final cut but you know that is their biggest problem they're not dealing with right. terrorists they don't really care no. you know as far as they're concerned what we're dealing with here is you know some punks trying to steal luggage which yeah i don't know what what they're trying to steal you know i don't know why they're trying to steal luggage or anything like that yeah. um and then we get to hear on the speaker now for me, what's really strange, I'll say he puts it on the speaker, but therefore everybody in the entire control tower can now hear. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd think that, all right, I'm 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 curious to know what's happening here. So if that's the case, you know, I don't need everyone, you know, all 30 or 50 or wherever many people there are in, in this, uh, uh, you know, in this place to actually hear what's going on. You know, maybe right. it is the FAA. Maybe it's the FAA calling, you know, so like, why does the FAA need to hear about this? And the one of the things that comes up sort of anytime they're in the tower for the whole movie is, aren't there people doing like legitimate jobs or ultimately when they cut them all off doing nothing? Why are they all involved in this? Why is there nothing kind of secret going on, I guess? Right. I agree. Okay. Well, I, I did look back uh, at at Friday's minute, and John is holding the cup of coffee. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. So maybe he had it right before then too. So yeah, I did. I, I think like we never saw how he got it. No, we never see it. Um, I'm I'm looking back now to, to to Thursday minute to see if I can see him holding a cup there either. But uh, no, he's not holding a cup in Thursday's minute. Uh, okay, but so there is, but there is a before. point where the 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 the. You know, they show us something going on in the church. So maybe during those like uh, yeah. 20 seconds, you know, John was able to sit and make a uh, cup of coffee. You right. Know? And it, I mean, it's a pretty small cup of coffee. So I don't think he really yeah. needed to make a cup of coffee. I think he, all he needed to do was just pour it for himself. You right. Know? I mean, uh, yeah, he's, I see him standing there next to the coffee maker. Uh, and uh, nope, he does not have, he, nope. We never see John make the cup of coffee. <laughs> He's just holding it. That is such a great catch. I, I didn't even think of it. Thank you very much for pointing that out. You see, we missed it last week also. Um, it's just such a funny little blue cup. It's, like you said, it's really small and it, it maybe it's like glows a cappuccino. In the dark. 
Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Although this is the '90s, I don't know if cappuccinos are really caught on yet. But it's John. John, you know, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. He doesn't catch on to technology. But maybe cappuccinos. Maybe cappuccinos. You know, he really does like. It's cappuccinos with with Twinkies. You know, he and he and Al always are, are going out in the town having cappuccinos and Twinkies. Nice. It's possible. I don't know. I mean, I don't drink cappuccinos, so I don't even know. That might even actually even be too big of a cup for a cappuccino. Um, no, that'd be espresso. Those are the itty bitty ones. Oh, okay. cappuccinos are a regular cup. Oh, so then okay, so maybe this is an espresso. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't drink coffee, so I don't know about these things. You know, never, never got into this stuff. So. And then we, we better for it. I have other vices, so you know. Great. <laughs> I I get my caffeine, and and you know I'm addicted to movies. I don't know which is worse. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's a problem. I mean, I don't think it's worse, but then again, anyone who's feel anyone who's addicted to something does not think that it's a bad thing. Those are the bad so, things, true. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think that that movie watching will be the death of me one day. How's that? It, it'll be something else. But I don't think it'll be movie watching, and unless you know someone gets really upset at me, but I, I don't see that happening either. So then we hear the voice of of uh, Colonel Stewart, where he says, "Attention, Dulles Tower, attention." They say that blind men become very attentive by the way of compensation. Now that you're both blind and deaf, I think I've got your attention. I'm aware your recorders are active, so I'll be quick. You can play me back later to your heart's content. So some of the things he says says here are pretty strange. First of all, yeah. you know, he first of all he says that they're blind. How are they blind? They can see everything that's going on. They just don't have lights on the runway. That doesn't mean they're right. blind. <laughs> they they right. they can see on their equipment everything. And they haven't lost sound yet, so they don't that's know right. anything. And they're not deaf because they don't. Right. That's right. They can still hear. And yeah. and from what we know, they're still able to communicate. So they're right. able. <laughs> They haven't lost any of their senses. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great line. I love it. I think it's, I think it's. It just it's, doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make context. sense when you think about it. Right. <laughs> Within the context. <laughs> you know, it might have worked maybe later in the week when he actually cuts them yeah. off for next week. But until then, right. you know, but, but again, it's, it's great dialogue. There's no question about that. Yeah. As he's talking. You know, we do he, we do get shots of some of his men in in right. the church, right? We see Miller and Garber doing like uh, tech stuff. They they look very busy yeah, with like what they're doing. Passing this book back and forth. That was just such an odd direction yes. choice. Like <laughs> all the main action is way in the back of the shot, and in the front we're gonna have these two guys just doing mundane things. Yes, like. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It felt very strange. Well, no, busy work. You need to make these guys all yeah. seem as if they're really busy. You know, he like moves yeah. back on his on his. Uh, you know, Miller moves back on his chair. You know, and then he he reaches back and Garber gives him the you know uh, gives gives him the the book, and then he right. slowly gives back. He's he's very interested in what's going on in the book. Now, if you notice in the foreground, you can actually see the red tape on. Uh, yeah on on a machine gun yep you know so I, I like that little touch that you know it's it's there from beforehand we we don't have to yeah. you know it's not something that's just going to pop up later in the movie it's there so yeah you know that's something that's we're great. supposed to keep seeing right now I now if you wonder about it though that's the thing yeah yeah that's true i mean i when i first saw the movie later on when they actually switch it, I, I actually figured it out because I'd seen another movie where they did that, 
And then I was uh, like, wait a second, this is very strange. Um, yeah. Did, did you, ever, you ever hear of the movie The Park is Mine or the book The Park is Mine? It's with, no, I haven't. It's with Tommy Lee Jones. It's about a... Uh, oh, wow. It's it, it was a it was an HBO movie in like '86 I think it came out, and it was about uh, a Vietnam vet that wanted to try and uh, he was supposed to get something and didn't get it you know from you know for being a, a vet or whatever it is so he decides to take over Central Park. Okay. You know, nope. and and uh, so in that movie, part of the, or in the book, it, it part of the idea is is that he uses blanks, so he has you know, uh, blue cartridges and red cartridges and stuff like that. Yeah, so uh, so when I saw this, I was like, whoa, that's really cool. You know, I figured it out. Um, I, I didn't figure out everything, but it, to me, right. you know, it, it just hit me at the time when I saw it for, for that type of thing. Now, my biggest question is, okay, Stuart and all his men are special forces. Mm-hmm. Where do they get the training to, you know, deal with uh, aircraft? with planes you know like these guys had to they all had a crash course no pun intended um in (laughs) learning how to deal with all this stuff but something is a little off here yeah and the ability to hack in in this way like this is super early hacking being able to really control the tower i mean even from the beginning this would have pre 9-11 this still would have been very protected stuff yeah like See yeah. them digging in the uh, behind the church to get in, and I don't know. Maybe right. they oversimplified some of this. No, well, obviously, obviously, you know, that, they didn't expect well, yeah. someone, you know, t- uh, thirty-three years later to be, uh, you know, going through this movie minute by minute <laughs> and try to <laughs> figure it out. I mean, this is yeah. this is out of love for the movie, you know, that, that we're right. that we're picking it apart, but. You know, oh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's the whole idea also. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week. Where did they get this equipment? You know, is right. it is, did they buy it off the black market? Um, did they steal it from from some, uh, yeah. you know, some airport that, that nobody was using? I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, and how much does it cost? To, right. I mean, obviously, I couldn't, say- I couldn't look up how much it cost in 1990, you know, to, to steal this, or, you know, to buy this stuff or even rent it. Right. You know, yeah, I want to rent. Uh, I'm I'm looking to rent. You know, uh, control tower equipment. What what? You have a good deal for me. Practice and where do you get it? And they say two months planning at some point, and it's like they did all this in two months planning. That's, that's impressive. Right. It's very Without impressive. Well, they are special forces, so you I know. I guess that's it. Yeah, you tell them what needs to be done. Right. No, but on the other hand, maybe part of their training is the idea that they're able to. You know, uh, I don't know, do a, a coup in some sort of, uh, you know, uh, Central American country, and therefore they do need this information. You know, that that could possibly be, you know, that they train them. Okay, what you're going to do is you're going to help take over this country, and you're going to be in control of the airport. So therefore, you know, we're we're giving we're training you to do all this stuff. It could be. Yeah, maybe it could happen. I like I mean, that. That's very possible. I mean, when when we looked at Cochrane's. Um, dossier uh, two weeks ago, it it didn't mention anything about that, but anything's right. possible. You know, it could be that True. during his training at Fort Bragg, you know, he learned how to you know land a plane. I don't know, True. or crash a plane, or whatever it is that they need to do. You know, who knows? <laughs> and and then you know, in order for uh, Trudeau to actually respond to him, we hear him flip a switch. Mm-hmm. Okay, but again, we saw the box. 
where is he flipping a switch? <laughs> what is he, yeah. you know, what is he, you know, what is he doing in order to be able to, to, to speak? I don't know. Maybe that's what monitor means is the listening to it. No, but that's what the speaker would be, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Right. I mean, they do have computers there, so monitors make sense. Right. No, that would make sense. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, it yeah, makes sense from a from a logical perspective. It doesn't make sense sure. that they're using that. You know. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, we're going to do teleconferencing. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe Skype. Yeah. You know, Zoom. Maybe. <laughs> the very early incarnations early. of these things. You know. Yeah. And 1990 was even before most people had home computers. Oh yeah, you I know. definitely did. I think my I got my first home computer in maybe '94, and that was also and that was also very early. I remember I had Windows 3.1. You know, it wasn't it, yeah, it wasn't able to do anything that that they're able to do here. You know, no. I mean, I had I had a, as a kid I had a computer Commodore 64, but you know <laughs> nowadays you can buy a discount key that 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 holds a lot more than that. You yeah. know, and does a lot more, but uh, yeah. And then the the shot goes back to the church, and we we see Stuart again. And I love the fade that they do here, because they yeah. they show first of all the map, and the map is in focus, and Stuart is not. And then they switch it, right. and then we see Stuart in focus, and the map is no longer in focus. So they they do that really really well. Mm -hmm. Continue speaking, you know. Uh, I mean Trudeau first said, "How did you get on this line? Who is this?" Like he's going to answer. Come on. Right. <laughs> You know, it sounds like, you know, going back to the Batman uh, uh, relationship earlier in, in, you know, in this episode. Okay. You know, if he would have, if it would have been Batman and say, who is this? You say, oh, this is the Riddler. You know, they'd automatically right. say right away who they are exactly. and what, what they're doing. But in this yeah. case, nah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, and, we've already, they've already set it up so that they know who they're going to figure out who this is on their own. Right. And that makes them look smarter. They figure it out. Yeah, but, well, they don't figure it out. That's the whole thing. It takes a long time for them to figure it out. To figure out who Trudeau is? No. Or not I, Trudeau, I'm sorry. To Trudeau. figure out who Stewart is. Yeah. Yeah, it's John who figures out first who Stewart is. You know, right. The, they, they don't know. You know, it, it'll, couple, it'll, come up, yeah. it'll come up in, I think, like another 15, 20 minutes, something like that, when the name will come up at some point. And no one seems phased right. at that point, you know. But uh, later this week, we'll find out when John finds out who it is, even though right. John bumped into him uh, at the beginning. And so Stuart's response is, who I am isn't unimportant. What I want, well, if you don't want those planes to start splashing into the Potomac as they run out of fuel, what I want is very important. A plane will be landing at this airport in 58 minutes. It is FM-1, Foreign Military 1. Now, I'm sure you gentlemen are well aware of the unique nature of this flight. So before we continue with this, okay, so first of all, I wanna point out the novel that this is based on is called 58 Minutes. Oh, wow. Okay, it was it was written by Walter Wager. I have not, it's it's something that's so difficult to find in print. I know, I know one of my previous guests, uh, Josh Horowitz told me that he was able to get it out of the library and he it, hopefully I, I assume he's finished reading it by now uh that i don't know yet he, he told me he got it he didn't tell me you know that he's read it or that he enjoyed it i read the book when it when this movie came out you know i would gotten a copy of it but you know 30 sure. i i have no idea where that where that book is i probably resold it you know at a used bookstore at some point and that would have been it um i i remember the idea that it's uh this this cop who's at the airport in i think he's in jfk and there's like a terrorist 
at the airport and his daughter's flight is supposed to come in or something like that. Again, I'd, I'd love to reread it one of these days if I ever figure out how to get a copy. I remember I looked online at some point to get one and it was like, because it's so rare, it was really expensive. So it wasn't worth yeah. uh, trying to, to get it at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I like the fact that they mentioned that even though it's so inconsequential to us that there is 58 minutes till this plane is supposed to, to land. Right. You know, but I guess it, I guess it makes sense. That time out too. Right. I mean, I, I guess the, the idea is, is that Stuart decided that he would wait until an hour beforehand to, to do all this stuff. You know, right. I don't know. It's not not very well planning because if he would have had any problems and something would have gone wrong, <laughs> that yeah. wouldn't necessarily have worked so well. But, you know, it did. So everything worked well for him. So, you know, he mentions the Potomac. All right. Last last week. You know, Trudeau says that, uh, you know, we don't want planes dropping on the White House lawn. Right. Uh, so, you know, we discussed a little bit about that. But, you know, the Potomac. So what, what do you know about the Potomac River? Um, I know it's pretty far from Dulles. But um, and it runs into the Chesapeake Bay. And other than that, not much. OK, you are definitely correct. It's, it's very close to uh, Reagan Airport. Uh, yep. which was known as National Airport uh, at this time. I don't think it was Reagan. Mm. I don't think in 1990 it was it was Reagan yet. Um, no. Uh, there's there's a movie about a plane disaster that happened there uh, called Flight 90 uh, uh, Disaster on the Potomac. Which, right. Which I, I remember seeing when it when it was on TV in the in like 84, I think it was. And I actually just rewatched it today. You know, because it, it inspired me to rewatch it. It's it, oh, nice. yeah, I found it on YouTube. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a great little movie, but you know, I really I really enjoyed the the what they did there. Unfortunately, I mean, it's a disaster, so it's not it's not a happy story. But you know, that was that was around the time. You know, when you watch disaster movies, you're not looking for happy stuff, anyways. You know, so no. so the Potomac is 405 miles uh, long. And it, uh, as you mentioned, it uh, it flows from the Potomac Highlands in West Virginia to the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, the fourth largest river on the east coast of the U.S., and the 21st largest in the, the whole U.S. And there there are about 5 million people that live within the area of, of the Potomac itself. Okay. Wow, I would have assumed it was higher than that. Yeah. Now, what I found really cool is, is that there are like, you know, you you can actually find dolphins in in the Potomac. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. That that just was like really, really interesting for for me to find that out. I'd never would have thought because it'd be pretty brackish river water. Like it's where it's an estuary where the ocean sort of meets the um, freshwater. Right. Correct. So they could go some distance in, but probably not very far. Uh, yeah, you're you're the professor on that type of stuff. <laughs> you, you probably know better than I do, <laughs> but you know, I just thought it was very cool. I can make it up a lot. That's true. And there, you could you could you know your PhD helps you make it seem as if yeah. it's more important. There you go. <laughs> Fair. Right. So uh, then John looks over at true at. Uh, at, at Trudeau and says Esperanza and yeah. you know and right before that we get another shot of Miller you know doing busy work 
you know, right. uh, you know, because he's the traffic controller or pretend he's the pretend traffic controller. Right. You know, and once again, John catches on very quickly as to what's going on here. Uh, yeah. Trudeau just nods at him that uh, that that John must be right. You know, that it is Esperanza. And then Stewart continues talking and says, and the importance of its cargo. So I'll go back a little bit. It says, now I'm sure you gentlemen are well aware of the unique nature of this flight and the importance of its cargo. This plane will not be met by anyone. It will land on a runway of my designation where it will remain isolated and unapproached. Um, nice. You know, so, and that's pretty much how he ends the minute. I mean, it's, it makes sense what he's saying there about what their, you know, their plan. Um, it, I, I'm, I've been trying to figure out if this is a well thought out plan or not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It seems. Sorry, sorry. It's, it is. It is well thought out. Whether it's a good plan or not, that I don't know. That that's right. Right. Plan. No, I understood <laughs> what you meant. You know. And Trudeau look, has this look of resignation when um, uh, McLean says Esperanza, and he's like. Yep, that's got to be what it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're screwed now. Yeah. And he's basically, you can kind of, I mean, Fred Thompson for being a pretty awful senator is a pretty not bad actor. <laughs> and at least showing how, like, the weight of what he knew was coming that should have been a fairly routine thing has now been totally messed up. Yeah. Right. It should have been easy. It's just a foreign transport dropping off a criminal. Da da da. It's all done. But um, correct. Yeah, it's a, it's a good minute. Yeah, it's the start of the plan. It's lots of good exposition. Who knows That's what? That's right. Now I, I just want to go back a little bit. So at, at second fifty-two, when when Stewart is talking, if you look behind him, there's this huge box, okay, that has four red lights yeah. on it, and it has a countdown that is counting up. You know, you'd think that that would be the countdown saying 58 minutes, but instead it, it's currently showing us 44 minutes, 44 hours, 37 minutes and 58 seconds, which I have no idea what that's apparently counting down towards. It just, or counting oh, up. Right, it is counting up towards something. Yeah. You'd think it'd be counting down. <laughs> exactly. It's, again, it's, I think it's just there for, for the furniture to make that's it, so funny. to make it seem as if something busy is going on, but you know, most people wouldn't look to see. I've I never noticed it before. You know, I've seen this movie dozens of times. I've never noticed yeah. it. Yeah. It's no, I haven't either. You know, and it's it's just That's hilarious crazy. that it's counting up. <laughs> right. You know, is you know, and and if it was, if it was like forty four minutes, it would make more sense. But forty four hours, like, what are they counting up towards? I don't know. And because it's not like what their next plan is. Their next plan should take fewer than two hours. That's right. And then it's some number of hours to get to it. No, there's no there's no logic that, of anything we know nope. that should get anywhere near there. No. Nope. Absolutely no clue. Maybe it's like, uh, you know, it's been 44 hours and 37, 44 hours, 37 minutes and 58 seconds since the last work-related accident. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that would make sense. That, that's the, that, that's where my, my, my thinking goes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's as far as I got. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? No, I think that's good. Okay. So the, the script has a, a few little minor discrepancies. 
but it has a little bit more stuff that uh, that Stuart says here. So first of all, instead of John saying, maybe it's the boys who, plug, who pulled your plugs, uh, John goes, maybe it's them. <laughs> That's it. You know, a lot quicker. Oh, right. And, and then, uh, you know, when Stuart starts talking, it says, uh, I think by now I've got your attention. I know your recorders go 24 hours around the clock, so I'll be quick. You can play me back later all you want. And then Trudeau says, how did you get on this line? Who is this? You know, the, the same line he says in the movie. Right. And then Stuart says, who I am is unimportant. What I want. Well, if you don't want those planes overhead to start dropping like flies when they run out of fuel, what I want is very important. I, I like the Potomac aspect of it. It makes it a little uh, uh, little more interesting. You know, it uh, makes it more relevant to the, to, to the uh, geographical area, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, Stuart says, this plane is scheduled to be met by a contingent from the US Justice Department. But now there will be a change of plans. This plane will not be met by anyone. It will land on a runway of my designation where it will not be molested. Um, okay. I, it, you know, I, I like what they did in the movie better. I think that works a little, yeah, little bit agree. better. It's, 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 it's a little too dry in, uh, yeah. you know, in the way that they show things here. So. Right. Uh, I, I don't know if that was something that, that William Sadler changed on his own or, you know, during yeah. rehearsals, they said, well, why don't we just, you know, make this a little quicker, make it sound, uh, I don't know, with, let him speak with more grandeur. I don't know. Right. I like isolated and unapproached instead of molested. Yeah, it's true. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Great. Every Monday we have a segment called McLean Monday where my guests will give their top five Bruce Willis performances. So Jess, what have you got for us? Start with your number five and work your way up. Um, number five, and looking back at all of his um, movies, holy cow, does this man work? Yes. Um, or did, especially in all kinds of movies, like crazy. Yeah. And I remember, I remember watching him on Moonlighting, like doing reruns of Moonlighting. Mm -hmm. And then he sort of disappeared. And it's like, oh, yeah, he was just this TV actor who sort of did these things. And then um, Die Hard came out. But then people were like, well, what do they do with him? And I remember Look Who's Talking. And this is my number five, where he's the voice of the baby in utero and then ultimately the baby outside. Mikey. And he's just amazing. He's, he's so good at that. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, he was, he was hilarious in that role. He's hilarious in Lucas Talking. Uh, my number four is also comedy, um, The Whole Nine Yards, with Matt, which was really a vehicle for Matthew Perry, but it's him trying to figure out how to be um, sort of on the other side of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, being a uh, killer and then deciding he doesn't want to kill anymore, I thought it works. Um, number three is Armageddon, because... He's so good in it, and the whole movie makes no sense and scientifically, but he's really good. He's going to drill, and he's going to get home. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> I love it. And then my fiancé said that if the fifth element wasn't on, my, on a, my list, that we would have to call off the wedding. And so, of course, the fifth element is actually number two on my list. It's so Wait good. a second. Is, it, is it on your job. list because of your fiancé, or is it on your list because you wanted it to be on your list? No, it was already on my list. Oh, okay. It's All right, good. I, 
need to move it up on the list okay. so that I would appease him. He reminded me of it. It was the first thing he said when I mentioned this list to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> the fifth element, I mean, is constantly good. Like you get new things out of it almost every time you watch it. The music in it is amazing. The insanity of the whole storyline is just so good. Um, he, he does a really good job having a strong relationship with female co-stars. Yes. Um, yes. I was just thinking, like, in The Whole Nine Yards, he and Amanda Peet really bounce off each other to the point where you actually believe their chemistry by the end. But it's not, like, a particular sexual chemistry. It's just they bounce off each other really well. Yeah. And he does that really yeah. well in The Fifth Element, too. Um, and then my number one, and it would have come up no matter what, and it's probably a movie of his I've seen the most number of times because I rented it from you know, on a VHS tape oh my God, so many times in middle school and high school. It's a terrible movie. It frequently gets a worst of movie list on lots of things, and it's Hudson Hawk, because I love it. You're telling me that there's it's no so Die Hard on this list? No, there's no Die Hard on wow. this list. Wow. Wow. I wanted to think outside it. I, I'm not going to lie and say Die Hard isn't one of his best movies ever, but my top five Okay, are, no, that's fair. Um, You're, you are allowed. I was, I was just shocked. Yes, Hudson Hawk <laughs> is a very fun but extremely crazy movie. Extremely crazy. Yeah. It's so terrible, but it's got all these weirdo flashbacks and double crosses and crazy moments and, oh, my God, insanity. Yeah. Andy McDowell is talking like a dolphin. It's just a stupid movie, but <laughs> I love it. So. Okay. All right. That is completely fair. All right, great. So, Jess, even though you are a Lefts podcaster, do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to? Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's um, in underscore entertained because my previous blog was Insight into Entertainment, and I haven't changed it yet, but you will see my name as the correct Jess Rogers on there. Um, and pretty much find me there. All right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. Until tomorrow, yippee Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and